the Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live in exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. Welcome to another episode of the Four Horsemen. Now we are down to three because Derek McCarson is not with us this evening. He decided that he'd rather have a <laughs> meeting at his church. And so uh, I hope that he makes it through that uh, unscathed. Uh, I am a bit envious tonight, though, of the two gentlemen that are with me. I use that term gentleman advisedly. <laughs> uh, they both have very long beards. Amen. Mine has Amen. not grown nearly that much. Measure of holiness. Uh, it, it must be. Well, if it is, then you're more holier than I am. And what does it say about Derek that he would rather hang out at a church meeting than hang out with us? Well, here's the thing about it. You know, Derek does not have a beard. I'm not even sure if Derek's old enough to grow one. <laughs> so, you know, it may have to do with the capacity in his. Uh, he's probably been pastoring longer than me and Adam put together, so I don't know. Yes, he, he started, he started preaching when he was seven years old. Yeah, so <laughs> preaching to tree stumps. Uh, you know, that's the way it is. So he was trying to get them rooted and grounded. And he was very go. successful in that. But anyway, we want to talk about a subject tonight that is uh, often debated, uh, not even among different uh, denominations, but uh, even within uh, Baptist life. And uh, that is the whole issue of continuationism versus Cessationism. Is that, did I say that correctly? Sounds good enough. Yes, close enough. Just say it with confidence. That's yes. all that matters. Yes, no, no one <laughs> Sell will, it. No one know. So, <clears throat> um, and to kind of cut to the chase, that means there are people that believe that the spiritual gifts that were manifested in the New Testament era are still continuing today. That all of those gifts, whether it be the gift of being an apostle, or a gift of prophecy, speaking in tongues is one of the most uh, prominent ones that we hear about, gifts of healing and so forth, uh, the miraculous, that all of those elements are, are continuing even to our day. Uh, and then there are others that would say no, those things have ceased. Uh, they are no longer in operation. And so we're going to talk about that today. I'm not even sure where you guys stand, but, of course, if you're correct, you'll I agree stand with on me. the Bible. <laughs> well, but see, there's the rub. Uh, yeah. There are solid Bible teachers that will advocate for both uh, positions. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that we'll necessarily convince anyone out there, but we do think it's worth our discussion and, and talking about. So uh, let's begin with uh, Mr. Adam Black, because, you know, he's the first man, Adam Amen. And uh, he sees everything uh, in black and white. And uh, so uh, how'd you like that? So, Adam, where would you fall uh, in those categories? Are you a continuationist or a cessationist? I think I'm both. Is that is that possible? Is that Here he is with his feet planted firmly in the air. Yes. No, I mean, it's um, I'm, I, I would say that I lean more towards the uh, – cessationist side of things that the gifts ended but uh, i can understand why some have continued but i i think 
my personal opinion is what I think we see um, demonstrated in certain denominations, I, I don't believe is biblical. And um, some of the speaking in tongues and things of that nature, I, I just don't see that type of thing in Scripture. And so um, that's where I think it's kind of a, a mixed bag, if you will. Um, so that's, yeah, in fact, firmly planted. <laughs> well, and, and I, I appreciate the, the opinion and and so we all have opinions, but what would you root that in? What kind of, uh, let's say that I'm a, a Pentecostal and you're a Baptist, and so we don't see those things necessarily eye to eye. So what would you do to convince me that you are correct in your uh, observations and interpretation of the Scripture concerning gifts? Well, when it comes to, for example, prophecy, okay, mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe that people can prophesy outside of God's word. Okay. So I, I, I don't, I don't believe in there's, uh, this continual revelation per se, as some have. I mean, I actually had a conversation last night with a young guy who, um, who's really doubting his faith because God hasn't spoken to him in the way that, um, he has spoken to other people. Um, in his church. And, and when I kind of dived, you know, dialed that in a little bit, it was, it was kind of this extra revelation that God was sharing something new to him apart from his word. And that's not scriptural. Um, when it comes to, um, healing, for example, do I believe that God still heals? Absolutely. But do I see it as the same as the healing power that the apostles had and Jesus had? I do not. I don't see that. Um, you see, you know, like Benny Hinn and some of these guys, these faith healer guys. Um, I, I just don't see that as um, biblical. Um, speaking in tongues, I have actually talked with people who um, have seen the speaking in tongues in the sense of they were in a foreign country. They were sharing the gospel with a uh, people group that did not speak English and they didn't speak their language. And God um, revealed the truth to the people that the people understood what they were saying, even though they were basically speaking English. So, and I think that is what speaking in tongues is not. Um, I don't believe that it's some kind of act of worship that only happens on Sunday morning for 30 minutes. And when the preacher says speak in tongues. Um, so um, that's kind of my, my, um, my stance on, on some of that stuff. And so, um Yeah. Okay. Well, let me follow up with Ben, then come to, to you and uh, ask you where you are on the spectrum of things. I think I know, but uh, if, you, if you'd give me a word of knowledge, that would help me. <laughs> Maybe a word of wisdom. I don't know. Yes. Um, <laughs> wisdom is a good thing. Yes. Um, if it is wise, it's from the Lord, not me. I can tell you that. Um, I, would, I would consider myself a cessationist, but most people misunderstand uh, my understanding of cessationism is not that God doesn't act supernaturally anymore or that the Holy Spirit does not perform miracles and signs and wonders anymore. Cessationism is the idea that that is not the normative way that the Holy Spirit is working currently. And so uh, do I think that uh, signs and wonders and miracles are the normal way that the Holy Spirit is is building up the church today? No, I don't. I think he's doing that through the word and through the ordinary means of grace primarily. But again, that's not to say that those things couldn't happen. It's just that they're not normative. 
uh, in that sense. Whereas some people, I, I suppose, are maybe a hard cessationist that would say miracles never happen. I haven't really met anybody personally that would yeah. say that. Um, or at least that was conservative. I mean, obviously liberal theologians deny any kind of miracles, but they're not Christians. So yeah, we'll dismiss um, them. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not fooling with that, but, but most people that I know that are Bible believing people, I don't think they would say, well, God was never going to do a miracle again after the book of Acts. Um, but I would say that I don't think, uh, today in Western culture in 2018 with, the scriptures available to us, I don't think that's the normal way that the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is showing his power. Well, I think there's two things you surfaced there that I want to follow up with you about. One of those is is the nature of the miraculous is that it is out of the ordinary. It is the extraordinary. That's right. what makes it miraculous. And do you see that in scripture uh, that there are certain periods of time uh, in which God seemed to more uh, demonstrably act in these miraculous ways, and then it's like a, an ebb and, and flow. Have you have you ever thought about that? Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's clear uh, periods in Scripture where uh, those miraculous things are more evident. I mean, the the Exodus would be a, a big example right. of during the days of Moses. Right. In fact, a lot of different miracles: the manna from heaven, water from the rock. You could just go, and, on and if on. you look at that, there's a typology there too, right? That uh, it was usually under the ministry of a prophet, and that with uh, Jesus being the final person in that prophetic office, not to say that prophecy didn't necessarily happen, but with Jesus being the greater Moses, the greater Elijah, the greater John the Baptist, all these other kind of things. Um, it makes sense then that during his ministry also there would be this outpouring of the Spirit, mm-hmm. which is also one of the things that makes Pentecost cool because it's showing that now the people of God have the Spirit outpoured on them and that we are a a, a, a community of prophets and priests and and uh, fulfilling these kind of things on behalf of Jesus because we're, we're in Christ. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's definitely these periods, but there's also... For instance, the intertestamental period it seems relatively silent as far as works of the Holy Spirit. And even prophecy. That's why we reject those books that were written, uh, Maccabees and, you know, all the others, because uh, we don't see a prophetic word being given during those times. Not to say they don't have some historical value mm-hmm. and literary interest, but uh, not authoritative in, in that sense, because that takes in the Old Testament, uh, the prophet. Uh, in the New Testament, the the apostle. So let me get to the, another thing that Adam kind of brought up and, and hit you with this one. So if these gifts are not being exhibited in uh, as the norm, um, does that mean then that there's a danger that when people claim to exercise these, and speaking on behalf of God, uh, whether they claim to be an apostle, a prophet, or whatever, uh, that that we can get into serious trouble, and is that really contradictory to the the canon of Scripture being closed and complete and perfected? Um, what, what do you think about that issue? I actually had a really um, in depth conversation recently uh, with some brothers in Christ who are kind of on the different end of this for me, and um, their understanding is that basically the canon may not be closed. Mm. Because they feel like, you know, just because men decided that the canon was closed doesn't mean that it actually is closed objectively. Wow. 
and that, um, you know, when I asked, how do you know that the prophecy that happens in your church is not scripture? How, how is it different from scripture? If it's coming from the Lord, um, the response was, well, it's localized to which I would say, well, all of Paul's letters are localized too, but we accept those as beneficial for the church at large. And I don't, I don't really feel like I got a satisfactory answer on that question. And to me, that's where the danger is now. Well, uh, with those with those guys, would they denounce Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness? They would. They would. I mean, that's they would. They, uh, they would. On what basis? Well, and and I mean, they believe that the Bible is authoritative. So I mean, it's, they're not denying Scripture. So just just for our listeners, I, I want to back up just a sec, just for our listeners. With those of you who may not know, but Mormonism, Joseph Smith received a revelation from God, quote unquote, right. another testament of Jesus, right so, beyond so did scripture, yes, right, exactly. and so did Muhammad, and so did some of these others. So I just wanted to back up so right. that people. So understood. so Islam, Mormonism, and Baha'i are mm-hmm. three that I know of for sure that supposedly were visited by an angel and given revelation from God. And did what they did. And so Muhammad wrote the Quran on the authority of the angel Gabriel telling him this is a book that is in heaven. And so how do we know that it wasn't that way? My my understanding is that um, their view, uh, and they may be listening to this, so they're free to correct me if I'm, if I'm misrepresenting because I don't want to do that. But my understanding is is that basically you know that prophecy, prophecy is true because it comes to pass. But at the same time, when I look at the Old Testament understanding of false prophets, there's some pretty serious consequences if you say that something is from. I mean, for instance, the first example that comes to my mind is uh, Jeremiah and Hananiah. You know, Hananiah, the false prophet, is going around saying, you know, Jeremiah is telling you guys that destruction's coming and you're going to be captured and taken away and you don't need to worry about it. The Lord told me everything's going to be fine. And Jeremiah tells him, uh, if I'm a true prophet, you'll be dead by the end of the year. And he died. And so, uh, you know, My, I, he wasn't. Yeah, but it's yeah. one of those things where it's like uh, the Holy Spirit was not playing around with that. And so to me, it's like, d- does that does that mean that people never... Uh, hear something from the Lord, maybe based on the word. I'm not 100% sure, but I can at least say with confidence it's extremely dangerous to to practice and encourage people to speak on behalf of God apart from the Scripture. It, at, at the very least, it's very dangerous. Well, it's got to be measured to Scripture. I mean, the, right. the Catholic Church, I mean, the traditions— I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, that's you know? added to the right. They wouldn't call that a revelation. Well, but, when a, if a pope speaks uh, ex cathedra, I mean that right, becomes yeah. authoritative. Right. So yeah, is, uh, 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 which, which I love because whenever he says dumb stuff, which the current one does all the time, <laughs> my Catholic friends are like, "Well, it was an ex cathedra. Well, how do you know it's ex cathedra? Well, because there's this criteria where they determine it. I was like, "Oh, so basically, if if they decide that it's in agreement, then it's ex cathedra, and if it's foolishness, then it's not." Right. And then, of course, someone can come in later and get an right. additional. Same thing with word, it, word. the infallibility of the Pope. Yeah. What's well, his office that's infallible? That's infallible. It's not the individual right. person. So right. if he's speaking as the Pope, then he can't teach error. But if he's just speaking as the man who's in the office of the Pope, then it can be error. Well, how do you know the difference? Basically, <laughs> if it agrees with our theology, then it's the Pope. Right. But but now here's the thing where I'm going to kind of push back at you a little bit. There, there are, of course, extremes 
in any kind, even mm-hmm. in genuine faith. And uh, like, for instance, I'll just bring up baptism. We know the Bible teaches baptism, but then there are those that will insist that unless you're baptized, you can't be saved, right? Right, which pushes beyond the boundaries. So you can't then diminish the doctrine of baptism because somebody takes it to an extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just have to be careful of, of the extremes. So prophecy as a word from God is it necessarily always on the same level as as Scripture? Because, you know, obviously in the New Testament, you've got apostles, right? But you also have prophets, true? And and we agree that mm-hmm. those gifts were in operation in, in those days, right? right? Are you with me so far? <clears throat> yeah. But then in the canon of Scripture, you've got the books of who? The apostles and the apostolic men. Why didn't they include those messages from all of those prophets as well in those texts if they were on the same level as the words that were being spoken by the apostles. Well, the argument I've heard is like, what about Agabus in Acts? Yeah. You know, he comes to Paul and says he has a word from the Lord. It's like, was that a real prophecy or was it not? Well, it was in the sense that it was fulfilled. Yeah. And so the question is, okay, uh, there's an example after Pentecost by someone who's not an apostle that's exercising the gift of prophecy. Now, uh, I talked with someone recently about this because I've been wrestling with it a little bit. I don't want to be so uh, close-minded that I miss uh, God or the Holy or, or the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? Um, I don't want to be so close-minded on that. So I'm, I'm trying to be open-minded. I'm trying to hear different perspectives on it, which I think is why it's a helpful conversation. These are not things that we need to avoid. We mm-hmm. need to embrace them and seek unity as much as possible. But somebody else explained to me that it, a lot of that depends on how are you defining these gifts. So, for instance, prophecy. Well, in its most basic sense, prophecy is revealing something that's hidden. Yes, but not necessarily future events. Not necessarily future a, events. In, in fact, if you look like uh, Jeremiah that, we, that you referenced, most of that book is not about future events. It's about current things and and confronting the sin, the telling forth of God's truth instead of foretelling it, although there certainly was that element. So the example that I was given that I find quite challenging is um, Spurgeon. There's records of Spurgeon preaching and identifying somebody in the crowd and calling out their sin and calling them to repentance of saying, you, sir, did this and you need to repent. And there's no way that he could have known that. And so it's like, again, that's not, he's not revealing the future, but somehow he was aware that that this particular individual uh, had a sin that needed to be dealt with. Now, I don't know that I can say on the basis of scripture that that didn't really happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, but I, but I think too. But I'm also not going to stand up on Sunday morning because I got a liver quiver and start pulling people <laughs> out and and picking sins and doing whatever. You know what I mean? Not to diminish if that really happens. My whole my whole issue is where's the distinction? Right. How, how do you know? If you're just having a, a thought and it's your conscience, or is it actually the work of the Holy Spirit? Well, How would you be able to, to to even tell? I mean, from a practical standpoint, I've had this. Uh, people have told me, but with Spurgeon, what he said was probably biblical, right? So, like, yeah. he was well, sure, but but it was specific to an individual, right? But but I've had people in that instance have said, "Man, I've been praying for you, and God has told me to tell you this." Okay, mm-hmm. now I've I've had that quite a bit. And there's times where I'm like, really? 
Like mm-hmm. you just, it's almost like a fortune teller. They know my situation. They're like, you know, God's with you. But then there's been other times where they're like, they kind of know, um, a sin or something like that or something that I'm struggling with. And I wouldn't, I don't know if it would necessarily be a prophecy more than it is almost accountability in a sense of, you know, I've been praying for you and, and man, God told me to tell you this. And it was like, mm-hmm. okay. You know, it was biblical. Right. So that, that's always been my gauge. Does God, can God do that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But if somebody comes to me and says, Hey, God told me to tell you this, I'm going to line it up with scripture. I mean, I okay. think we have to. So, so let's go move in another realm uh, that connects with this. What about visions and dreams and God communicating in that way? That's another part of the, of the charismatic way of looking at things. God did that in the past. He's going to continue to do that, but we have. IMB personnel, International Mission Board, for those of you who aren't uh, Southern Baptist literate, um, they say that here's so-and-so uh, that had this vision, uh, maybe a man dressed in white that came and talked to them. Next thing you know, their car breaks down. They go into that house. They're, they're like received with open arms because they're dressed like they had that dream before. Right. I mean, what, what do we say to things like that? Because some people would say, God never does that. Right. I wouldn't say that. I, I mean, I wouldn't say that God never does that. I've, I've had a very good friend of mine was basically saved through a dream. And, but again, I, uh, here I am, the Andy Stanley guy, but I think you have to go back to scripture the whole time. I mean, like even hitch when, it up, brother. Yeah. But every, you know, when he, you mean you go back to New Testament scripture? Yeah. Just New right. Testament, not the whole Testament. No. He, you know, when he called me, I knew something was up and he, he, he called me and said, I really need to talk to you. And I'd been witnessing this guy. Well, I met with him and he literally had a dream, um, of, um, he said, I, it was this man. And the only thing I can tell you is probably Jesus. And anyway, the dream, um, was pretty legit and it wasn't something crazy. It was a matter of fact in the sense that he had basically denied God his whole life. And so, um, I mean, there was little doubt that it was it was true. Now, if he'd come to me and said, you know, I had a dream of me winning winning a million dollars and jumping the shark, jump, yeah. I mean, that's where I'm like, yeah, because you just mm-hmm. is it possible? Yeah, I mean, I had a probably shouldn't do this, but I, I had uh, someone tell me God told me to buy a lottery ticket. No, yeah. <laughs> No, he didn't. Yeah, I knew. Yeah, I knew a lady several years ago that was in, into her fourth marriage, getting ready. To yep. do, and it was like you know, God told her this is the one, right? All yeah. That, yeah. What did he tell you before? Previous <laughs> signals, and of course, it. T- you know, I told her no, and it turned out to be a disaster. But anyway, right. she's a great woman. She's just a poor judge of men. But, but anyway, <laughs> well, but it's one of those things. Okay, you know, Harold uh, Camping. You know, the world's going to end. Blah blah blah. The reality is that guy needs to be nailed to the wall by the church community, and you are well, a have false to dig, you'd prophet. You have to dig his body up first. Yeah, but I'm saying, you know, <laughs> but you got these other guys, no, I, you I know, know, John Hagee sure, and these other sure. guys. Are, oh, this means this, and this means that, and the Lord told me this, the and Lord, blood, man, and it's man. and it's like as soon as it doesn't happen, you need to take that person to task. It's, you are a false prophet. Mm-hmm. You are leading people astray. Right. You are going to stand before God. And and he is going to ask you, what have you been doing with my lambs? And and that's not a conversation that you want to no. have. You and know? every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account in the day of judgment. Right. 
And so that's why I, I'm like, okay, do I feel like I, I can point to a verse that says these things never happen? No, I don't think I can. Right. Uh, is it very possible that in then in uh, cases it actually is happening? Yeah, I think so. Especially in cases where the, the word of God is not available, or I've heard Middle East, you know, right? Yeah, that's weird. happening a lot yeah, in Muslim countries. Yeah. Right. There's right. a lot of Muslims that are saying, "I'm having dreams. I'm having these other things," because in their culture, a dream is a very powerful thing, and so for for Jesus to appear to them in a dream is a is basically a kind of a deal breaker for them in islam right um and that's one of the only ways that they're actually softening to the gospel so i can't say that god is not doing that on the basis of his word but what i can say is is it's something that needs to be evaluated cautiously the the problem um i heard somebody say recently that the problem with the charismatic movement is that they are, are trying to live in a realized eschatology in the sense that uh, the relationship that we have with Christ, the the freedom from illness and pain and uh, poverty and uh, a lack of power, all of these things that we're experiencing now in the flesh, we are promised those things. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. In in glory. Yes. The problem with the charismatic movement is is it's trying to live in that realization in the present of saying Jesus died on the cross. So that I could be healed, which is absolutely true. So I have it on the authority of Jesus that I can tell this person to be healed and they're going to be healed. And the reality is, is that, no, that's, that is not what the full counsel of God's word is communicating to you. Yeah. And so you're just, you're, you're, you're claiming a true promise, but you're misappropriating it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's my issue. Now, does that mean that God won't heal that person? Right. You know, uh, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But he's going to do that twice. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, so it's one of those things that Lazarus died again. Right. You know? Well, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because as we kind of, I mean, we could go on and on on this topic, but the New Testament miraculous, the sign gifts, the things that happen, well, what's going on now that claims to be those, the continuation of those? I mean, there, there's no comparison. I mean, when you look at the day of Pentecost and you see these people speaking languages they did not know, they weren't speaking glossolalia. They weren't coming some, you know, (laughs) gibberish. They were speaking languages that they did not know because the people that were there were able to hear in their own language and be converted. I've listened to people, quote, speak in tongues and, and good, sweet people, many of them. But it's just disconnected right. syllables. You know, there's there's laws of grammar, I think, that even, you know, that God's ordained, you know, in syntax to where if somebody says uh, and, and they say they interpret that <laughs> as, meaning, as meaning uh, God is on the throne. And then somebody else says and they say well, that means God's on the throne. Hey, listen. The, the words, even if it's an unknown heavenly language, they're going to be in agreement. There's going right. to be a syntax that's going to follow. So you're saying that that the language in heaven still has parts of speech and yes. grammar, yes, <laughs> nouns, which is kind of essential verbs. for communication. And yeah, I mean, yeah. I've even Otherwise, had a lady tell me that her she has a prayer language. Yeah, and right. the reason she has this prayer language is so that Satan can't intercept it. Yeah, well, I don't know about that, but I, but I talked <laughs> I talked to a brother recently that I have a lot of respect for. And and that is uh, is very uh, grounded in the word, 
um, who shared with me that he has a that he prays uh, in a private prayer language. Um, and again, and of course, the text they use for that is you know the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and all that kind of yes. stuff with groanings, right? Which, not be a- which I understand what they're saying. Again, at a very minimum, I would be cautious about trying to develop a doctrine or a religious practice off of that one text. Right. Um, we just we wouldn't do that with anything else. You right. know, Judas wouldn't hang himself. We're not like, hey, let's all go hang ourselves yeah. because it was good enough for Judas. You know, I know that's not a good example. I'm being facetious, but <laughs> but still, hard. you've been facetious before. Yeah. So at least you're con- there's a continuation in that facetiousness. Oh, there it is. That's it's true. Yeah, right the gifts may have ceased, but yeah. my foolishness is not. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> but but think of it this way. Uh, you know, here's Lazarus dead for, you know, uh, four days decomposing uh and he's raised back to life show me anywhere where someone who claims the gift of healing has gone to somebody who's been dead for four days and brought them back to life I and mean, why do you have to buy a ticket to get healed uh, yeah and and <laughs> i mean know. let's be real well the in the extremes and the net and the nettiness and the goofiness is out there and i think we're all in agreement that that's a bad thing right and to be fair most of my charismatic friends don't support that right. stuff either exactly. a lot exactly. of them wouldn't wouldn't agree with the fringe stuff yeah yeah but they wouldn't condemn it and that and that's part of the problem is is it's like they'll see you know People at Bethel Church, you know, sucking the anointing out of dead people's graves. And they're like, well, you know, it doesn't say in the Bible that you can't do that. And I'm like, that's obviously sorcery and necromancy. Sure. Like, that is not a Christian practice. Right. Well, in the in the fringe stuff has become more mainstream yeah. because things never remain Because they have good static. music. It, it just keeps, it just, once you head down a path. It just keeps going and going and going. It never does stay the stay the same. So that's why you get into this stuff. So, and then through that music and you know, quote Christian radio stations, you know, a lot of that stuff and and the books that are printed sold even at Christian bookstores that I will not name. But uh, <laughs> there's like only one left. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, that kind of narrows it down, doesn't it? We're talking but, to you, Amazon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, so, so we recognize there's danger. So here, here's where I come down and I'll say this in, in closing. Um, I would say theoretically that I'm a continuationist in that I would not limit God and say he could not speak through a vision, right. that he would never speak through a dream, that he would not give somebody the capacity in a situation to pray over someone and see them healed. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to go to that extreme, but I'm pretty much a uh, a practical uh, cessationist in that what I'm seeing practiced out there is not like what happened in the Book of Acts uh, and and what's what's discussed. and And I would be very cautious before I jumped in and, and gave uh, affirmation or even encouragement to that sort of thing. So, so I guess, you know, uh, that, that's where I am with that, um, is warning about the dangers, not saying that God never could, because I can't find any scripture to say that. The, the one verse, I guess, that people jerk out more than others is that, 
the discussion in First Corinthians 13 in the midst of that charismatic confusion. I'll admit that I, you know, I, that's a weak argument. Yeah. I've heard people say when that. When that which I, is perfect just... is come, then all the gifts be passed away. Well, very obviously, it's talking about the return of Christ, right. the coming kingdom. And, and I think it's quite a— So my cessationist uh, friends, I, I might be in your camp, but you do have some pretty weak arguments, I'm yeah, just going to yeah, say. Yeah, on, on that. If we're going to be honest. On that. So uh, basically, uh, there, there you go. Uh, I hope that we've— uh, firmly convinced you that uh, we're not firmly convinced except that we do believe that there are gifts available that need to be exercised. Uh, and I think if we concentrate on the ones that are quite obvious, uh, gifts like uh, teaching, uh, gifts like uh, giving, gifts like um, encouragement, exhortation, mercy, helps, things like that, um, the church would be edified and would grow. Uh, while not prohibiting those things that are uh, maybe more dramatic, um, but let's make sure that we don't allow that to become the the extreme. Uh, because if miracles take place, as I believe they do, what makes them miraculous is that it is the extraordinary and not the not the usual. So thanks for tuning in. And uh, we appreciate it. God bless, and we're out of here. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast. And be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than bass the president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the forecast, man, they calling for Katrina.